Hello. Hello. <laughs> Ooh, December 1st. Mm. Wow. Greetings, everyone. <laughs> this is Michael Rosso, Film Photography Project, the podcast. That's what we should rename it. Film Photography Project, the podcast. I'm here, Mr. Mark O'Brien. Hello there. Leslie Lazenby. Hi, everyone. Matt Mirage. Hello. And, uh, we have a cool happening show going on. <laughs> we'll be talking about all sorts of stuff. Like, I don't know, a bunch of stuff. Blah, hey. blah, 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 blah. <laughs> yeah, I think Mark's been interested in talk about uh, making uh, negatives from FP100C uh, instant film. Uh, Matt's going to have some darkroom tips. Mm-hmm. Uh, Leslie's going to talk about an unidentified practica. Uh, and we'll talk about a lot more when we come back. Kodak announces a whole new way to make pictures. Introducing disc photography. The beginning is this, a unique film disc. A disc so thin there's room in the camera for an array of precision electronics. The new Kodak disc camera. Press a single button and the new Kodak disc camera does it all. It reads the light, it knows when to flash, and can flash again in one and one-third seconds. It even advances the film disc automatically, so you can capture those wonderful moments you may have been missing. The new Kodak disc camera. Hey, we're back. Hey, let's... uh. Well, you know what? Let's do a letter. We're always, always good always to start with a letter. Start. Feel like reading that? Sure. We got it. Who's it from? All right. This is from Mario Peters. Uh, Flickr name blank. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, guys and gal. I'm currently using a Nikon FE, a Mamiya 645 AF, a Noon 66 pinhole, a Plastic Fantastic purchase in your store, Yes. and a Polaroid 635CL. Oh, and an F65 from Nikon. I could use another camera, of course, uh, more in the large format and easy to use. 4x5 seems more easy to use than the big behemoth formats, or is it? What, am I tr- <laughs> what I'm trying to say here is, is there an easy to use 4x5 camera out there? You know, I wish I could be more specific telling about my needs and my wants, but since I don't know much about this format, I cannot. Also, I'm looking for a nice budget flatbed scanner under 350 i have eyes on the v550 here's a link it's an amazon link and uh oh uh, a couple more questions we'll break them out so question one easy to use four by five is there one question travel two, wide hmm? travel wide boom done all right question two <laughs> google uh, it travel uh, wide <laughs> uh question two cheap flatbed scanner under 350 good stuff you can actually find v700s for under yeah. that you can now but yeah. stop I know you want to spend under three fifty, but spend the extra two hundred dollars because it'd be so worth it to get the V seven hundred. Yeah, but you can find them for. I mean, I got mine for the V seven hundred. V seven hundred for two fifty. Old business. Yeah, the eight hundreds replaced. Yeah, yeah, people are people are just selling them. Yeah, yeah, the eight hundreds and eight fifties have yeah. taken that market share. Okay, question three. Yes, is it possible to use a Mamiya six forty five AF with a digital back? Hint, please say yes. Okay, answer. 
Yes, but you're probably not going to want to. There is several Mamiya 645 AFs. The original AF is not very digital back friendly. You can accept, you can stick a digital back on the back of it, but there's nothing to help it sync with that digital back. So you have to have an adapter plate and a cable, and you're adding another battery to the process. So it's not clean. Um, they had a, a Mamiya 645 AFD. The AFD took some of the earlier Leaf mm-hmm. digital backs, but nobody else's. It needed heavy amounts of adapting as well. And heavy amounts of money. Mm-hmm. And then there's the AFD2. If you have mm-hmm. a chance, pick up, and you'll see the huge price difference between them because of what they're capable of doing. So that's why the 645 AFs are very cheap. It's because they're pretty much only for film. Um, the AFD, okay for Dig, but not so good. AFD2s, that's where you want to be for Dig. And those were the standard up until uh, Leaf just basically reissued that camera, and then Mamiya, and it has the Mamiya branding on it, and it just says the Mamiya 645DF. Mm-hmm. Yeah, AFD2. So AF, not so much. If it's an AF, if it's an AFD, maybe. AFD2, yes. Final question. Oh, final question. <laughs> How can I contribute to your show or anything else you guys do besides money? <laughs> well, well. Money. Throw down. I don't know. Uh, um, lots of things. I'm spre- sure. uh, yeah, I'm spreading the word for your podcast here in Montreal, Canada. You're doing a fantastic job for the community. Keep it alive. Thank Mario you. Peter. P.S. My real name is Mario Pierre, but somewhat impossible to pronounce by lots of people in English. I still don't know why. That's, well, first of all, let me answer that yeah. question. That's not true. <laughs> of, all the, of all the last names we've butchered, if your name is Mario Pierre, right. boom. I mean, first of all, anyone in America have seen, like, uh, Spectacle So movies. Mm-hmm. I don't understand. So we all know Pierre. <laughs> yes. So I think you should change your name back. Because well, I like watch m- its Pierre. A. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I like Mario Pierre better. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Monsieur, don't try to be funny with me. So this is, goes for everyone. This goes to Mario and for everyone listening. Thank you very much for loving the podcast. How to contribute. You don't want to send cash. Hey, no problem. First of all, you could send uh, a camera. Like if you're basically be on the lookout for FPP, like if you're at a garage sale or something, you see something that works, it's like a dollar or two dollars, pick it up and send it our way. Uh, prune your own camera collection, send it our way, and we'll recycle it and get it out to people uh, for free. Write an article or a tip or a topic. Mm-hmm. Uh, that can be turned into a blog. And, bu- and buying from the store contributes. Oh, yes. 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 Mm-hmm. Buy from the store. Uh, spread the word. Yeah. You know? oh, he, yeah, he, did, he did say he yes, was, which is great. Exactly. Spread the word. Mm-hmm. Uh, tell other people about FPP. If you run into somebody who has that sort of film equipment, send them the same links. Yeah. yeah it's the donate button. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. When you're doing, when you're, this applies to everyone, uh, when you're on your social media networks, always mention the FPP. If you see something on a show, or it'd be great if you uh, did a blog about a particular show with a link about the FPP. That's, that's very, be awesome. What show? You need to know there are fans of the FPP in Costa Rica. Oh, wow. This is from Luis Roberto Chavaria Sancho. Hello, Michael and gang. I'm a big fan of your show. All of my film purchases are, for, are from your great shop, and it's awesome to have you here to help me learning photography. My name is Luis Roberto Chavaria. Chavara? Yes, tra- Chavaria. Put your teeth I'm in. a young film photographer from Costa Rica, a beautiful country in Central America. Uh, here in Costa Rica, we have a film club on Facebook called El Curado Obscuro Costa Rica called basically the translation the dark room costa rica at the moment we are 907 folks 
Wow. But there are new people joining our lovely group each week. We try to share with each other the things that we know and the things that we learn. It is always active group, and my first main motivation is to use film. There's a great amount of people who also love your show. We all share the other with the other people who do not speak English. The great content and deals that you give to the film community are awesome. We are here two months meeting to shoot and talk about film, and there are all kinds of photographers from people who are more lomography type to people who are shooting wet plate collodion. Wow, all of them. So yeah. I wanted to tell you that we are a great community in Costa Rica. Love film. Support your mission. Keep and keep up on film. I will keep chatting you with you soon. Uh, keep up the great show. P.S. I completely crack up laughing with your sound effects. <laughs> oh, that's <laughs> right. awesome. Cool. Super positive. Let's dive right into our first topic. Folks out there, lots of people still shooting uh, instant peel-apart Polaroid mm-hmm. film made by Fuji using the Polaroid automatic land cameras in October when we did our photo walk. Wasn't there someone with a big swinger? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I saw a big swinger, a Polaroid 210. Mm-hmm. And uh, although we've talked about it before, people forget and new people will want to know that when you peel that film, Gosh. that you could take the gookie part... <laughs> The gookie part, yes. And make a negative out like of it. like that technical term. Yeah, so Goop. Mark, fill us in. How did you first get hip to this, and what are you discovering these days? Well, I first was alerted to the fact that you could even do this process at the first FPP oh. uh, the workshop in Finley. Yeah. And you guys demonstrated it. How about you that? You and Leslie, and you showed how simple it was to do it. And I said, oh, I've got, I had been saving some of those goopy parts that had dried up. And wondered what, because I'd heard you could do something with them. And so I got back and I went out and bought the little bottle of, or squeeze bottle of the bleach. Shell bleach? Yep. Proceeded to try it out. And it works really well. All you really need to do is have a piece of plexiglass, which mm-hmm. is what I used. Painter's tape. Yeah. Works really well. And you tape the negative part, the goopy part, the black part, so that the emulsion side is facing the glass. And you tape all the edges very securely. Squirt some of that bleach in the little... The apple, gel bleach. The gel bleach, yes. Thank you. The gel bleach on, on the negative, back of the negative, And you rub it around, and all the black carbon will come off. And you put it under the faucet, and I do this in the laundry tub. Yeah. Put it on the mm-hmm. faucet, and you also you should be wearing rubber gloves mm-hmm. to do this. And uh, rinse it off, and voila! You uh, take the uh, take it off gently with a t- with the tape taped edges, and put it somewhere to dry. Do not get anything on the emulsion side because if you do it just dissolves into a smear anything bleach wise anything bleach now do you reactivate the goop and wash that side no oh i do i I do yeah because you you won't have runners right okay i've never done that just just, uh, flip it over when you're done and yeah emulsion side because it's like a coating on there it's the goop yes it's the goop and uh you reactivate it and then all at once you'll see it go off and then hang to dry clean eggs yeah and so then the cool thing about this is that when you do this and they dry and of course it helps if you when you peel off the the negative part put them somewhere there where they aren't going to get tracked up or stuck together you don't want them because they're going to be they're going to be wet for a while when you do that you've got these interesting negatives to, to play with you scan them in and it's a really cool process because it's not 
like a typical color negative that you can just scan in and get the equivalent of on your in your computer you have to adjust them a little bit to get the kind of color balance you want and so forth but even if you don't it's really cool what you come up with and so a good, and if they get all other stuff on them dust and fingerprints and all that it's also just part of the, the resulting process and and uh, you get something quite different than what you thought you might get. It's a lot of fun. And uh, what is your experience scanning? Scanning, I just put them face down on my scanner. I have a v, Epson V700. I can put a, four or five at a time, or even six maybe. And just put them face down there and then put close the cover and do the scan. And, and you can do them all together or you can pick each, each individual one out and have it do them all as a, as a sequence of scans. And it works fine. As of right now, this is a DIY do-it-yourself process. When we were in San Clemente, there were a lot of Polaroid shooters there. And a few of them were saying, wow, wouldn't it be great if a lab offered the service where you could send dry negative side in and have them <laughs> uh, degoop it? scan it and send you your, your scans back with your negatives and i have yet to find a lab oh, that is even it's, interested it's really hands-on you know and, yeah. and uh-huh. you're going to get all kinds of quality different qualities in those negatives because see not everyone takes good care of them sometimes it's, it's great yeah mm-hmm. and other times you just like oh and sometimes there are streaks right but it adds that imp- if you're out in the field the imperfections add to the interest of what you get yeah absolutely absolutely have you done any bleaching lately Leslie yes oh you have like a fool I shot the 100 at my family's Christmas because I don't cook so I shot you know set up a kind of a photo booth type of thing and shot they loved it shot the family on it sit down pick some garland do something goofy and then the, it was just amazing and I thought they'd be there with their cell phones and the whole bit and no that's it is my two minutes up is my two minutes up it was a huge success they loved it just a just a background, one of my hot, or not my hot lights, my flash, plug it in, and it was fabulous. But then they all wanted more prints, so I had to bleach all the darn things. <laughs> so, yeah. Mm-hmm. I learned this from Randy Jennings that I believe he uses the slim, square, almost square, CD, DVD cases. Mm-hmm. And when he's out and about, he opens it up and sticks one tail through, one tail through, closes it up. Then he doesn't have to worry about damaging the negative, mm, making sure that it's thoroughly dry. Or sometimes if I'm out, the whole back seat is covered, positives and negatives. And it's a, it's a slick way. It's always an issue on how to get those home. I still, well, I can I can do it without taping it down anymore. And I believe Mike does too. You get used to it, but... You're absolutely right. You don't want to get any bleach on that other side. Yeah. So. Yeah. Occasionally mm-hmm. it happens. Once in a while. If you're a newbie, you mm-hmm. may not be able to distinguish between the front and the back. But right. As, once you get used to it, you know. Absolutely. Right. You can kind of see image on one side. Yep. The other side's totally black, and that's the side you want off. But It's fun. And I highly recommend it. And you could still, uh, I say still, because, you know, we we never know when Fuji's going to decide to, you know, pull the plug on these Mm -hmm. films. So far, knock on wood, FP100C is still being manufactured. Mm -hmm. And there's still an ample amount of FP3000B. Uh, mm-hmm. For all the uh, you know hooting and hollering about it being discontinued, well, guess what? It's still you know you go to any website uh, and you can still find some, and it's still you know a little little more expensive, but not yeah, not you no, know, yeah. not out of the you know it's still affordable. The three thousand is a beautiful film. Yeah, I mean it's just great to shoot with. And to note, you cannot 
reclaim the negative. It's a no, paper negative. That's right. Uh, you can scan, scan it, it, scan yeah, it, and right. reverse it. Dry it, scan it, and reverse it. But it doesn't reclaim like the one hundred. No. Hmm. But you've done well, Grasshopper. Thank you. <laughs> <Very good. laughs> uh, when we come back, we're going to be uh, un- uncovering a mystery about an unidentified practica. There was some question as to whether the beggar or his minky was breaking the law. Minky. What? You said minky. That is correct, yes. Chimpanzee minky. So I left them both off with a warning. The beggar was the lookout man for the gang. That is impossible. Why? He was blind. How can a blind man be a lookout? How can an idiot be a policeman? Answer me that! (laughs) (laughs) There is a Polaroid automatic land camera explosion. Hundreds of people have picked up Polaroid automatic land cameras because of FPP alone. Fuel your passion for instant photography and consider picking up a Polaroid automatic land camera right in the FPP store. All cameras are on my FPP workbench, are thoroughly tested, batteries reconfigured, and ready to drop into your hands. Stop by filmphotographystore.com and check it out. Hey, we're back. Leslie's here with a very interesting-looking Practica. We uh, gave away a Practica at the FPP uh, Mm -hmm. Ann Arbor photo day. But it was nothing like this. That was a, a much more modern SLR camera. This looks much older. And it only says Practica. I don't know. Please That's tell us. They almost always have this name badge, Practica, with its FX2, FX3 number right underneath. Mm-hmm. Another orphan comes in the door. It had a roll of Kodachrome 25 in it, 20 exposure. Okay. Oh, so wow. it's been a little while since it was yeah. shot. I, something comes in like this I'm not totally familiar with. I'll do the quick Google search. Case of this one, I also did a, a, a Budkus manual, mm-hmm. which was a good idea. Because if it's something rare or tricky, I don't want to just really hose it up. But uh, take a few minutes to do that if somebody gives you a Cameron. So I'm looking, I'm thinking, okay, so there's FX2s, FX3s, 3Ss. So what do I have here? Well, it looks like that's right. So I have a 2. No, I have a 3. No, I have a 2. I still don't know. I really oh. don't know. I, one of the cool things about this is, regardless, it's about a 1958. Seems to be the year that everybody gives me a camera. It's 58. Stamped on the back in white, not level. Looks like it was hand-stamped. It says, made in Germany, USSR occupied. Oh. Uh, which oh. is fun. Yeah. Yeah. There again, doesn't make this any more rare or valuable. Uh, it just adds to the interest of it. A lot of times that was put on the back as a stamp for, stamp for import. Right. to the U.S. for tariffs and things like that. It's an absolutely classic 35 of the 1950s. But I love the viewfinder. When it's closed, it kind of looks like a, a, a teardrop camper. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Kind of, you know, that shape. I, I, I love the finder on this, but it's actually a waist-level finder. No way. It is. Okay. There it is. Look at that. But it has a little fold-down magnifier. Oh, Great. Yeah. Helps me out. Or pop up peeper sports finder, flip down the magnifier, kind of look between it, which of course makes it a lot easier when you're doing a vertical. Yes. Is that verticals are hard in a way to do. So the finder itself is quite unique, but not doesn't designate one model over the other as far as Practica goes. The thing that this is not an easy camera to use. 
It really is. There's just a lot of little crapazola on here you have to deal with. Uh, this also came with a Stein Heilmunchen. What? Kalmar 50 millimeter lens. Oh. Within days of having this, off the corner of the table it goes. It hits the floor and it dents. I'm so mad about this. It's still absolutely functionable. I, not a big deal. Got to go to the bay, get me another one. No, they're not common. When they do sell, though, they don't bring much. It's not rare. Mm-hmm. It just was not a lens that was that was sold with this camera. So it was an option they put on later or special ordered it. It also... Um, Is that the it, lens that fell off the... the yeah. It uh, still works. Mm-hmm. And what kind mm-hmm. of mount is that? This is... There you go. M42. M42. Is that an M42 sized? Mm-hmm. looks yep. smaller, doesn't it? M42. Yeah, no, like, it's, it's, I think it's because of the flange. Of the out, I think maybe it is because of this, maybe, and the fact that that's black. We all know that yeah. black but this is makes you look smaller. Pentax yeah. M42? Mm-hmm. Yep. No kidding. This lens itself, though, has um, that neat preset on it that you can select your f-stop, use a quick ring, open it up wide open, focus, slide it back, and it'll mm-hmm. go right to the f-stop that you've selected. That makes that very quick to set that ahead of time. It loads loads pretty normal in the inside. The back is one of those that is not, oh, look at that. not a hinged back. It comes completely off. Mm-hmm. So that now requires another hand uh, or sit down, something like that. Not You know, they, they caught on on all this stuff eventually and, and uh, updated it. Old enough, see, I didn't get it caught that time putting it back on, that everything is turn dial. Wind the film, turn yeah, dial. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It doesn't stop? Like you turn it? It to, does. Okay. We'll get to that. That's, okay. that's interesting. It kind of changes your sequence on how to shoot things. But to set the shutter speed, you make a choice first of high or low shutter speed. Wow. So you set two little dials up here on the top, high or low. Set it for low. You've got a choice of a half, a fifth, a tenth. And one twenty fifth. Mm-hmm. Uh, then, if you speed shooting, you got a hundred, two hundred, and five hundred. Wow! There is a, the flash sync is at one fiftieth. You've got X and M, of okay, course. X&M. Right. So that was new enough in that respect. Uh, the camera does not take a battery. That's good. No meter build in. Great. The thing that really drove me the craziest about this camera is I'm all ready to shoot. Don't even think about it. Pick it up, it fires right where I grip it on the front. The no, firing yeah. pin is right here. It's not, and even a, off, it's not even at an angle, it's just straight on. It's just straight on, yeah. and I misfired it numerous times, just blanks or whatever. So for me, it's a natural place to grip it. Now, I've just shot a picture here to demonstrate what I was talking about, and it is not an instant return mirror. Right. So if you want to see through this camera again, you have to wind it up, yes. which is a, a, a little bit backwards to what I'm using. I usually wind it ahead of time. When I take a box camera, I immediately wind it. Well, if I do that on this camera, set it up for the next shot, put it down, pick it up, fire the darn thing. <laughs> <laughs> so it was kind of defeating me. But all in all, it's been um, it's a marvelous lens that's on there. I've done... Maybe a few short rolls. Any more my go-to is to load a short roll up of Shvima 200 because I love the stuff so much. And I'll shoot them in these cameras. Did a beautiful job. The lens is excellent, nice, crispy, beautiful. 
But like I say, it, it it's a love hate when it when it reverses my thinking pattern on shoot it, wind it. With box cameras, you do that simply to keep yourself from double exposing. Right. It's one of those that if you owned this camera and you didn't have a big old case of gas and you used it all the time, all these things would become very, very natural to you. Yes. It does have lugs on it. You can put a neck strap on it. A lot of these in this series or this age did not. They required you to have at least that bottom half of the case on. That's where the strap yeah. was. But it's um, got a, it's got a nice beefy weight to it. Ooh, yeah. And I was just, you know, kind of enamored with uh, the cute little viewfinder and the cute little lens. So I, I like it very much, except for its little irritating uh, front face-mounted shutter button. I was never a fan of the waist-level viewfinder in 35 millimeter because of that whole vertical problem. That whole vertical thing. It's um, uncomfortable. If it difficult. was a square format, it'd be all right. Mm-hmm. It wouldn't matter. It's totally different. But And I think the Steinheil lenses, they aren't as highly regarded as others, but they're still good. Yes. And um, there are some that were better and some that were not. 50 seems to be very uncommon i don't want to say rare that sends it off in a different egg they did more like the 35 and 135 right see a lot of those but they even made it they even made them for argus did they yes mm-hmm. pretty little camera pretty hmm. neat that is the mysterious i i wonder if possibly if it was serviced i don't know why it does not have model number on it could it be a, a really early model because they, they made, I mean, KW made a lot of Practicus. Mm-hmm. I have, actually, I have one downstairs. It's the Practina. Yes. And it's, it, but it has, but it has a, um, a breech lock mm-hmm. lens mount on it. And notice it has, uh, I'm guessing, a uh, M sync and an X sync. M and X both. And that was partially what helped me. Yeah. There you go. Flip this up, Matt. Oh, or down, I mean. No, then you've got a little bit more. No shoe for a flash. No shoe for a flash. You have to do one of those bottom-mounted yeah. flash holders. Yeah. The or L, L, bracket. L bracket. L bracket, mm-hmm. L bracket yeah. I'll go down. And you said 1950 the year? 58. 58. Roughly, I think. The FX 2s and 3s were both in that time frame. And you would find some cameras from that time period also would, would say made in Germany, USA occupied as well. Not from the, not from KW, but other cameras made in Germany. Yeah, with bifocals, those are really hard yeah, to use. Yeah, I don't know about that waist <laughs> level. <laughs> I don't know. And you've got to be wide open, of course, to make it nice and bright. Mm-hmm. See, yeah, you yeah. just did it. The shutter is satisfying. Here, listen. Nice. Got a nice slap yeah, to it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And then you have... Where's the mirror? Oh, it feels good. Yeah, once you get the, yeah. the mentalness down about, you know, opening, don't forget once you focus, close the lens back down. Mm-hmm. I would call that so, this uh, Mark Dalzell camera. Oh, he yeah. love that. Like, like, Definitely. Like, it's up his alley. Yeah, that he liked to shoot with. Mm-hmm. Up his old address. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and if it's a 2.850, it's probably one of the... Um, Tessar designs. Uh huh. And so this doesn't pop up on eBay that often. Oh, I think there's there's nothing rare about any of this. No. Yeah. Rare or unusual. I don't even think Practina. I'm afraid the one that you've got was really the one that I was looking for. Boy, that's out of hand. Is it? Yeah. That's oh. the one that has like that full accessory range. We have that. that the rest of the stuff is at work. Yeah. For the uh, big film magazine and all yes. that. Yes. Yeah. That's the one I was kind of hoping to get my hands on. I thought, oh, that's going to be a good one to talk about. Out of my league. Out of here. Wow. So that's the, my mysterious little 
Practica that I do enjoy shooting with. I'm afraid at this point there's another one waiting to be shot with, so I don't get a make it a camera I shoot with all the time, but here it is. Thank you very much, Leslie. You're welcome. We come back. Uh, Matt's going to be talking about some new large format cameras. That's very exciting. Yeah. Hey, folks. Michael Rosso here, and I'm here to tell you about the Holiday Gift Guide 2015. That's right, from the Film Photography Store, the greatest store on earth, the only place where you can get the famous FPP hand-rolled 35mm film. There's some great things over there, some great film-tastic items over there. You could just... Log on to filmphotographyproject.com, click the store button, or check out the latest blog, which is the Filmtastic FPP Holiday Gift Guy, written by, yes, that's right, yours truly, that's me. Some exciting things to give the perfect gift for the film photographer in your life, or you. Gift yourself. Why the heck not? Eastman Double X 19 rolls in an authentic Eastman Double X film can. Vision 3 film now comes in a 12 roll box. You get 9 rolls of Vision 3 film plus 3 bonus rolls of a low ISO vision stock. The new FPP color infrared camera. It's an ultra wide and slim camera with a DIY filter that I put on it for you so you could shoot color infrared film in this awesome point and shoot camera. What's the most fun film format? 110 film? Well, Matt Marash may not agree, but we all love 110 film, and we now carry the Ikimono Flash. It's a little cute little camera that has a built-in flash. It's brand new, and certainly it would make a fun gift for anyone. Looking for film that's cheap and good? You may say, it's not possible. But yes, it is. The FPP EDU line of 35mm black and white film. It comes in a 9-roll box. Or you could buy rolls individually for $3.99 each. Zoinks! The word is out that Shmina film is fantastic. We've been chatting about it here on the podcast. And now there are two filmtastic boxes. A nine-roll box, the Shmina black and white sampler, has some FN64, photo 100, photo 200, photo 400, and some Tasma film. And a Shmina low ISO sampler. That's right. Low. ISO sampler. The FPP Pentax K1000 t-shirt, that's the only official FPP t-shirt, is $12.99. Retro chrome. Color slide film in a Kodak can. Whoa. The FPP store is now stocked with 35mm SLR cameras. And of course, our FPP Plastic Filmtastic 120 toy camera is still available, and each one sold comes with a free roll of film. The FPP store is now fully stocked with automatic LAN cameras, and of course, Super, Super 8, we've been covering it all through 2015. The 50th year of Super 8, a big celebration, we now carry Super 8 film in our store. Head on over to filmphotographystore.com, pick up some stuff for yourself, stuff as gifts, and support the FPP.
hey, we're back. Hey, for all you large format sh- uh, shooters out there or folks mm-hmm. thinking about getting into large format photography, not all large format cameras are vintage. There are new no. cameras being made, and that's why we have this special report. Yeah, there's there's a crazy number of folks out there making cameras, especially over in Europe. Those guys are active. Yeah. We got um, – there's a gentleman who's been really active in the last year, Alessandro uh, Ghibellini. He's making some uh, – a young Italian fellow, late 20s. Is making hand making. Hey, Paisan. Yeah, hand making cameras up to sixteen by twenty out wow. of wood, aluminum Ooh. in Italy. Carbon fiber. Yeah, he's making some sweet cameras. Sweet. Um, there's a gentleman who added me on Facebook a few months ago, Vadaz Sandor. I'm probably butchering his name, but he owns his own little small business where he makes custom makes four by fives and eight by tens out of wood and aluminum. A VDS camera. Maybe not the best. Uh, most catchy title, but they're really, really solid looking cameras. They're in a great price point because ever since uh, January 2014, we're no longer able to get Takahara, which was kind of like a, a really, really basic, you know, mm-hmm. kind of cherry wood and brass, really easy to use camera. This is kind of the uh, functional replacement to it. The VDS camera is a, uh, it's a tailboard, they have a tailboard style camera, and then they also have the Dick Phillips uh, style camera, which is the uh, the R.H. Phillips and Sons style, where there's a single drive a drive gear to it. The Chamonix and Shenhao cameras use that model too. They're lighter weight and they can uh, they can do some crazier movements and stuff, but a little more modern. So he makes some some great custom made cameras in in that price range, exporting them out of Europe. And then I just saw this a couple months ago. I can't find more information about it. I kept, there was bunch of threads that popped up like overnight and then they just kind of disappeared before i was able to get more information on them but hmm. there are now some open source uh good 3d printed uh four by five cameras out there no kidding yeah so for 25 bucks you can get like the full source on it but there is a free free one available if you want to print it yourself to 3d print your own four by five camera and then the complete comes with some directions for um, creating mounts for your lenses. So when it's a fixed kind of cone camera, is what they call them, like the uh, like the oh, travel okay. wide, you need to have what's called a helical focusing mount. So it's oh. a it's a mount that actually you rotate the, the the lens to kind of focus, and that shifts it enough to uh, mimic what you're doing with the bellows Bellos. on there. So and most of those helical focusing mounts are like ninety millimeter. 65 millimeter, uh, 120 millimeter. Or wide angle. Yeah, usually on the wide angle side of things because you don't have to have as much movement on those to get the job done. But there's guys 3D printing those things right now. Real, real cheap. There's uh, another new camera out there that has already shipping. Um, Our uh, good friend and uh, show notes writer, Alex. Yes. He got his hands on one of the first ones called the Intrepid Camera. Yes. It's a very, very lightweight, uh, I think it's pine. I almost wanted to say balsa wood the first time I saw it. It looked, it's a very lightweight wooden camera and use, may or may not use rubber bands he has one. for holding the film holder in there. Yes. Oh. Okay. Yeah, because was, he was like, less than 200 bucks, 4 by 5 field camera, sign me up. He was all over it. Standard lens mount board? Mm-hmm. Standard lens boards. Um, I think, I believe they, they uh, recommend a lighter kind of uh, tag board style oh. lens board instead of like the standard because it can get pretty the camera to half. Yeah, like you put one of my lenses on there. <laughs> yeah. So maybe it'll come in like a Boy Scout kit, you know, like yeah, you carve yeah. your own four by five. But no, there's lots of cool ones out there, you know, really good budget alternatives. I'm seeing, uh, you wouldn't believe my average uh, large format audience that's coming into Midwest. It's, uh, they're young. They're very young. The oldest one, um, 
was uh, the old the oldest uh, large format customer that's a regular of mine. I would say is uh, we met him at the the meetup in Ann Arbor, Mr. Robert Grimm. He's probably on the older side of uh, my customer base, so very very young for the most part. I was gonna say he's not an old guy. No, no, everybody's uh, very yeah, very much college age, twenties, thirties. So it's, it's really cool to see a lot of the film shooters in Columbus are so. Wow. Yeah, but that's uh, that's it on the large format side of things. I'm sure I'm missing a bunch of cameras because it seems like every day there's some guy that's uh, making a cool camera, and someone's like, "Well, hey, can you make me one?" And it just it snowballs like that. There's a gentleman out there. He's over in Europe as well. Now I think his cameras are purely theoretical, but he's got some carbon fiber cameras that he posted like specs to. But there's like a picture. Mm. So there's there's people making large format cameras out of everything. It's really cool. People are really excited. Yeah, I, I think there was a company in England making them out of um, composite wood board or something, too. An article just not too long ago about those. That might have been Intrepid. Well, that would be yeah, Intrepid? Yeah, that's okay. Intrepid, yeah. Okay. That's a, that's a younger guy. He started, he, he started that on uh, – they really promote it a lot on Tumblr. Okay. So, yeah. You know, you could always go the other route and find... Uh, the high-end, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the, the high-end one. Or you can just find an old, you know, pacemaker graphic or something like that and, mm-hmm. and work with those that are... Yeah. I I, I think the idea that, Intre- uh, that Intrepid came out with with the functional field camera is, is a better idea because I always recommend field cameras to folks or monorails just because they have the most number of movements. I'm not a fan of the starting with a, a crown or mm. really basic because it's like you don't I th- have the moments. Yeah, I think that's most of the experience is playing is playing around with the depth of field and what you're doing to the to light on the way. So, but no, that they're all great. You know, yeah. shoot some big negatives keeps us all keeps us all going with it. Ilford Large Format Order just came in a couple months ago. Oh. Got a bunch of happy. Uh, Fans of FPP, photo stock folks I've met, uh, mm-hmm. they got their their big film this year. They're super happy. Somebody ordered some 16-inch uh, circuit film oh, from wow. me. Just cra- crazy cool stuff's coming in. So, yeah. Well, thank you very much, man. No, no problem. For the update. When we come back, we're going to talk about uh, messed up film. <laughs> Who's to blame? Let's point some fingers, folks. <laughs> what is it? It's a circular firing squad. Manufacturer, <laughs> the lab, your camera. I don't know. Who done it? We'll figure it out. Hey folks, Michael Rosso here to talk about this podcast. That's right, this very podcast is sponsored by you, our listener. If you're a regular listener to this broadcast, please consider donating some dollars to the Film Photography Podcast to keep us going in 2016 and beyond. Your donation of $1 per podcast, that's $24 per year, will help keep the lights on here at the FPP studio, pay all the fees associated with keeping the podcast going, fuel our student donation program, our free workshops, and a heck of a lot more. Please do consider head over to filmphotographyproject.com, click the donate button, and please consider donating to your favorite podcast, the Film Photography Podcast. Hey, we're back. You know, once in a while you get some messed up film. You get your film back from the lab and it's somehow all effed up. (laughs) Could I, you know, is it a scratch? Is it this? Is it that? And, you know, who to blame? Because we all want to blame someone, especially on the web. 
This is from Vincent Huber, and uh, this is not one of those letters. He's not pointing the fingers at anyone, but he just wanted us to know, because this is a uh, FPP hand-rolled film, the Shmina Color 125. He said, I just want to let you know that one of the rolls, a Shmina 125 film I bought through the FPP, came back with some really deep gouges. I'm not leveling blame, and this isn't a complaint of any kind. However, I did want to let you know, just as I brought it up with the lab, ha, ha. And checked the camera I used for this role, and this is where the blame game starts, like finger pointing. I'm, oh, I, you know, I don't know if this is true, but I'm guessing most labs, in my experiences, which goes very far back to 16 millimeter, mm-hmm. where I was, you know, running uh, 16 millimeter reversal stock at a lab, and they'd be using old chemistry, so your 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 film's not showing, not that great. And the professor would be, it was Professor Beta Botka. <laughs> yeah. Gossin Luna Pro F. You know, he'd be, he'd tell me ex- exactly what the problem is. He'd be like, oh, it's lab. The chemistry's old. So uh, Vincent says, I'm attaching a few frames to show some of the scratches which were on the back of the film. See, so now yeah, the see, mystery is unraveling. Yeah, because there's a black scratch and a white scratch. Right. And that'll tell you which side. So on your film, folks at home, mm-hmm. you have your shiny side, which is the base, base mm-hmm. and then the not-so-shiny, which is the emulsion. That's where the actual film is coated. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So he's saying it's on the back of the film, not the emulsion side. They are quite deep and start at the end of the roll, just beyond where it was taped to the film canister end. The deepest of the scratches were the last four frames, mm-hmm. which included some wide horizontal scrapes that became less noticeable thereafter. I couldn't find an obvious cause with either my camera or the lab. Aha. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. But you weren't at the lab when they processed it. <laughs> Meaning the films that went before and after this one, respectively, were fine. I also don't expect any obvious problem on that side. But if you have any ideas, I sure would like to know. Also, I can't tell you if this role was one that I bought this year or one remaining from a previous order. As you can guess, it's kind of painful to completely lose what have been would have been as some of the best shots from that day. And that's where it's like, oh, you know, and you attach some and, you know, there are the scratches. Mm-hmm. Um, well, you know, we put our sleuth hats on and mm-hmm. um, we came up with kind of two conclusions. It's not the film manufacturer because it's not the emulsion. No, and it doesn't look like any sort of typical coding error on, right. on the emulsion side of so it. So that means that that scraping, uh, Leslie brought this to my attention, uh, all the hand roll films are rolled into used canisters, and those canisters have like a fuzzy lip. Little felt light trap. Felt light trap, mm-hmm. and that's where your film actually travels through. Mm-hmm. So if there was a piece of dirt or something in there, anything... It's going to drag right along. It'll drag along, but... Isn't it tough to scrape the the base side? I mean, that's hard plastic. It's and that Smina has a pretty tough, tough uh, mm-hmm. base. Base, yeah. Now there's also a good chance because your film is running through, depending on how it's processed at the lab, it's running through a system, mm-hmm. and that can also definitely scratch the base. Sure, and oh, when yeah. it's wet, forget about it. It, it yeah. becomes very vulnerable. So, I know Vincent, you're going to say, well, of course, you guys don't want to take the blame. But my initial thought is lab. Second thought would be the film canister. Mm-hmm. Somehow the film canister, because it was you know previously used, is putting that gouge in the ba- in the base part of the film. 
My my vote's lab. I've seen I've seen lab scratches like that before. Yeah, I have yeah. too. I, yeah. I hate to even bring this up, but do you see where these are being shot? Sand. Sand oh. is just detrimental. Oh, I don't know. Did he load that roll of film on location? Also, sand blows in the air when you're on the beach. Oh yeah, it's everywhere. Yes. Also, before the uh, now just, the plot thickens. I mean, if he's hanging out with a film, and then a piece of sand could have kicked and, up, and it could have gotten dislodged in the lab as they're it, under, exactly uh, it could oh, have, could, in could the have, canister. Yeah, could have sure, yeah. and mm-hmm. not even been a problem until it was processed. Right. So it may not have been in his camera. Could have simply just been in the can. The you know, did the kid take the little can over, making little Humpty Doos with his no, uh, castle, so. and then the film? Yeah. Hey, where's no. the dang film can? Here, Dad. <laughs> no, I doubt that. So, but, but still. Um, so now we're pointing see, the fingers back to you, Vince. No, like, hey, man, why are you shooting on the beach? <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm like but, 90, 95% lab on this one. Okay. Yeah. But you know what? While we're on that topic, you know what lab does admit when it's them? No. The dark room. Yes. Oh, they do? I got a handwritten letter from, apology letter from Phil, and I was like, look, man, it's the top corner of, a, of an 8x10, whatever. I crop in. Like, right. But it was, it was really neat that like, he, he was the only lab that didn't push back. Like when something came back with a scratch, there was, there was a note. And like he emailed me before to let me know, like, look, hey man, uh, I know this is a big project of yours, and this, these are chromes, but uh, we had a tech when he pulled it, it just a scratch on there, and I was like, no, no big deal. But it's a big deal when they don't say anything, and then it's <laughs> your f, yeah, right, right. And yeah. this is not a single scratch. This side is, this side is mm-hmm. multi. Yeah, it looks like something in, in a mechanism that was pulling something through. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. We all vote lab. Well, it, it, would be, it would be great, of course, to see the piece of film, but it still may not tell us anything else. Right. No. Yeah. Just that when film is wet. Well, also, so if, if it was the film, you know, that's why it's like these one-off cases, which, uh, you know, is a transition to Mark. Uh, you brought to my attention also Shmina, Shmina uh, uh, 100, the black and white film. Mm-hmm. This is a totally different problem, but we still don't know if it's, if it could have been just that one roll or that one one piece of a larger roll, because that's also hand-rolled. And uh, tell us about your experiences and what you noticed about the film. Oh, yeah. The Shmina 100, it's on a very thin polyester base. And this mm-hmm. is the black and white. The black and white. That's correct. And I, I like the look of the film. I think it's great stuff. But um, when I was scanning in my negatives and looking, and I, I'd see these little bands in, in just on one upper edge or close to the upper edge or actually close to the bottom edge of the film this is in the camera mm-hmm. if you had an area that was of low density like the sky and there was so just a clear area i would see little very minuscule black line of black dots just a, a cloud more like and i've seen that in, in other films where yep. it's an, a, a co- an emulsion coating problem because if you have a black dot there then you've got there's nothing going through or too much going through so the other thing there was the um it was always in the same place and so that tells me it may have been a coating problem in the machine. They're small enough that you can obviously fix it up in in your editing software, and, and if especially if it's in a, in a in the sky, it's no big deal. And if it's but if it's in a dark area, you don't really notice them at all. So it's one of those things where I'll keep an eye on it, but I suspect it's just 
an isolated incident. Like I, I've seen it in, in other brands of films in mm-hmm. 120, and and uh, when you eliminate everything else, and I um, I notified the the sellers of the film, and they said they look, they said, oh, it could have been a coding issue. So yeah, mm-hmm. and would you? Uh, do you think it's air bubbles in a coating? No, what causes those yeah, those there's, pinholes? There's so many things going on, and in they're the so tiny. Process. I mean, it's yeah. not like it's a obvious. I've seen bigger pinholes in a 120, and but these are really tiny. They're uh, they're on the, the not quite the grain level, but it's close. Right. Yeah. If if you want to see a great example of of coating issues, get yourself some uh, some lucky film. Mm-hmm. Oh, <laughs> oh. That, I guess it's not so lucky. No, well, you're lucky if you get a good one. Okay. <laughs> there you go. Uh, there you go. No, they they often have the salt and pepper. Uh-huh. Uh, coating and that's what this issues looks like. on yeah, yeah. that's yeah. that's like the most common emulsion thing you can see now yes you can recreate that from like improper processing but at this point i'm not going to blame you on that no that's <laughs> uh, really difficult yeah yeah to do that you gotta yeah. be really aggressive. missing emulsion but i've um i've seen that too when i was shooting a lot of x-ray film because it's like it's x-ray film then right. they don't care like right. they mass produce and there was a really cool pattern and the only other film i'd ever seen it on was somebody was like what happened to my lucky film and it's like it looks like a honeycomb pattern almost it like kind of like it's very random and it was like in these little patches along oh wow it. but it, that was like a, another weird coding thing while it was in the drying process that apparently that happened but it for me it was x-ray films so 30 cents oh all right right <laughs> and when you think about it i mean you've got this process where you you're laying out emulsion in fractions of a millimeter thick mm-hmm. right on on this stuff and and coating it in long runs of film, and then they cut it up and do the do their yep. thing. It's amazing we don't see more of that. Exactly. You know, it, you know, is the middle of the stuff good and the edges the problem? Yeah. Well, you never know. Right. But I'm that's guessing why it could be fluctuating. Does film, when it's being manufactured, go through QC? And will Kodak, let's say, for example, oh. just chuck some? Yeah. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. The, you, or sell you, it to Lamar. They sell it to Lucky. They sell it to Lamar first and then Lucky. I mean, that's why you never see or, or hear anybody even start to blame. Like, I've never even heard somebody try to blame Kodak on a, on a coding issue in, mm-hmm. in the whole time I've been shooting film. I've seen people attempt to blame Ilford, but Ilford uh, also is is will admit if they have like right. yes, they will. something something and that or not. Was my, my previous experience, and then it was they said, oh yeah, there was a batch. Yeah, and the, and they'll give you the batch numbers and everything. Yeah. So that, that's what you know also separates the big the big players versus the you know here's some film. I mean, and with the FEMA stuff, I mean, we have no idea of what their factory is like. Not or, a clue. Know, not a clue. And so the fact that we actually have this stuff is kind of cool. Yeah. I figure, you know, for the price and whatever, I'm willing to live with that. It's not a huge deal. Yeah. No, there's no claims of uh, quality control. <laughs> <laughs> Nor does any like, system to, you know, get an answer. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. There's not a, like, a customer service department. Yeah. We're it. You know, so. I- I'm anticipating... Uh, hate letters from the lucky fan club oh. <laughs> no it's it's actually i've i've shot the film before it's very grainy lucky's different than shanghai yeah well it's like it's it's chinese film so i have some yeah. i have some shanghai four by five black and white oh that, that's do. it's interesting yeah. stuff somehow they managed to put grain on it yeah <laughs> to like have large format with grain it's kind of it's kind of cool yeah it's cheap it's, it's very tape, cheap. It's taped together 120. <laughs> wow, that's funny. Well, that brings us to the end of this particular show. Uh, I want to thank everyone for uh, dropping in and spending this time with us. Podcast at filmphotographyproject.com. You can write to us. Please visit us on the web, uh, filmphotographyproject.com. Visit our store. Keep us, keep us uh, going. Keep the gears turning here. 
And we'll be back in two short weeks. Hey. 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 Thinking we should cut out all the drinking and the fatty stuff And maybe exercising is a good idea Cause baby we don't get enough Girl it would be so wrong If we don't live for long Well I could wear too many coats And maybe you could wear a blanket on your Every 
Monday morning she would cross the busy road to get her coffee She liked it strong Always waited for the light But one day she just didn't see that bike Oh Jennifer, it gave you such a fright Jennifer, I wonder if you're listening to the song Never had the chance to say I loved you all along I watched you every single morning You saw the bike, you didn't hear my warning Jennifer, Jennifer's a girl you used to see around the place But now she's gone, yeah she's gone To the great gig in the sky I'd love to see you when it's time to die I saw the bike, I must apologize 